Hey there, freedom-loving carnivores. It's Jeff Dornick from Freedom First Network, and I've got a message for you. Are you tired of feeling like your beef choices are under siege? Well, fellow patriots, it's time to fight back with Prepper All Naturals. That's right, folks. In a world where the beef industry is under constant attack, Prepper All Naturals is here to stand tall and proud as a veteran-owned beacon of quality, taste, and freedom. When the guys at Prepper All Natural set out to provide you with the finest beef products, they knew they had a duty to defend America's beef legacy, and that's why we're proud to partner with them, bringing you the best of what this great land has to offer. Whether it's their succulent freeze-dried beef cubes or their premium freezer boxes packed with steaks and roasts, we're redefining what it means to enjoy beef today and tomorrow. And let me tell you folks, their freeze-dried beef isn't just delicious, it's built to last. With proper stores, their beef cubes can maintain their quality and freshness for up to a decade, ensuring you'll never have to compromise on taste or nutrition. But wait, there's more. They're not just in the business of selling beef. They're in the business of defending freedom. That's why they promise to never sell you anything less than 100% all-American natural beef. No lab-grown imposters, no experimental jabs, and certainly no compromises with the woke agenda. So, fellow beef enthusiasts, join us in our mission to protect America's beef legacy. Visit freedomfirstbeef.com and use code FFM for 15% off your order. Because when you choose Prepper All Naturals, you're not just eating well today, you're eating well tomorrow. And together... We'll ensure that beef remains a symbol of freedom for generations to come. Prep for all naturals, where beef meets freedom. Welcome back to the Two Mikes podcast with Dr. Michael Schuer and Colonel Mike. And today we have a special guest, friend of ours that's been on our radio show back oh, a couple of years ago when he had that book sold out, which he co-wrote with Michelle Malkin. And on the line with us, we have John Miano from New York. John, thank you for coming on the Two Mike show. You're on the Freedom First Network, which is a new network with lots of good shows and I'm sure some of our other shows are going to be listening to this and pick you up as well. Good afternoon, John. Hey, it's great to be here. Okay, John, let's talk a little bit about, you know, the DACA, the illegals, the schools, the protective uh, status, wherever you want to go, start it up. Okay, well, DACA, the problem with DACA, it's it's one of these feel-good things uh, that it's very much like the mice coming up with the idea to tie the bell to the cat's neck. It sounds like, <laughs> sounds like a great idea, but you can't implement it. So, you know, what, what President um, Obama did, he's a great, gave certain um, illegal aliens who'd been in the country, came here as children, the ability to work, okay? They're in a never-never land um, immigration status. I mean, there's no path to citizenship. They can just kind of work. We haven't, haven't actually solved anything. And, you know, what, what we talk about then is a path to citizenship for this. Um, and, but then the problem comes is that, you know, that this is a continuous flow, okay? So the, the, there are people who came um, in after DACA started, 
There are people who came in uh, before who weren't eligible. So we have this continuous flow, but we're not we're not addressing the flow. Okay. So even if we were to implement the Dream Act, which gives which gives um, certain illegal aliens um, who came here as children within five years of the implementation of the Act with, as a timeline, those people pay a path to citizenship. There's going to be a big a, another flow coming in behind them, and we have the same problem all over again. So this is not a what we talk about here is not a solution. It's like it's treating symptoms, not the actual. Problem, which again is basically lack of enforcement here. Well, why is he bringing this up now, John? Is this because we have an election coming up? Is this because he wants to pacify a little bit on the Democratic or left side? What's happening? Why is he bringing this up now? Well, I think one thing I keep in mind is that what we what has been done with the DACA Dream um, Dream Act type advancing is to pick out the most um, sympathetic class of illegal aliens. Okay, We have people who have been here, um, who came here as children, who weren't brought by their, who didn't come here on their own volition. They were, they were brought here. Okay, So it's the most, most sympathetic um, group. And you know, it sounds kind of cold-hearted um, to, to not want to do something for them. And I think Trump wants to do something that, you know, sounds, um, sounds like he's, a nice guy, you know, the, the, the dig on Trump in the media is he's this vicious racist who hates anyone other than um, you know, other than the country club crowd. Uh, and so this kind of gives him the ability to um, to address to say, hey, I'm actually a nice guy guy after all. Um, but the question is, how um, how are we going to deal with this problem long term? And yet no one has come up with a solution because there isn't a solution to it. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I think you're exactly right on that. I don't know what the president's doing. And maybe it'll turn out to be something uh, very, very um, worthwhile. But I think if there's one one angle that must always be maintained on immigration is is a, 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 discer- a discernible lack of sympathy. Mm-hmm. Uh, immigration ought to be always conducted in the way that um, strengthens the country. And if there's no, if you if you get an application from someone who obviously will not either add to the working strength of our country, or is unlikely to understand the way our country works or even like it, um, it it is it is not incumbent on us to accept what will be a net loss. You know, for years. Um, there were quotas on where my parents, one of my parents came from, from Hungary, in Eastern Europe. There are quotas, very strict quotas. And I think we should have an absolute choice on, to, on choosing people from what countries we would like them to come from, what educational and language capabilities they have, and um, just to make it uh, more likely than not that they'll be able to fit in here without becoming either a... Um, uh, a, a drag on the economy or someone who uh, finds out he doesn't like it here. And, and instead of going back, he becomes uh, part of uh, BLM or something like that. Well, what you you're describing is basically is the, is the country centered view of immigration as opposed to the immigrant centered uh, view of immigration, which I think you're correct is the Trek view is that we should always, that immigration has to be looked at, from the viewpoint of the country, how should it benefit the U.S. 
and not how should it benefit the immigrant, although, you know, it's going to give a good benefit to the immigrant, but the highest priority should be um, the country. And I'll give you an example uh, of that type of tough decision. I mean, imagine you're, imagine you're a cap, uh, uh, um, in command of a lifeboat packed with 120 kids. It's about, about to overflow, and, um, but and it's barely staying alive. And you see um, three people, four, five hundred people in the water around you who all want to climb in. Um, if you if you take it from the um, the immigrant viewpoint, you know, yeah, sure, we should bring in these bring in the drowning people and save them. But if you view it from the country point of view, that you're in the lifeboat, I've got this lifeboat full of women, children, and kids. If I bring in twenty more um, people, every, the, the lifeboat's going to go down. I, I think that's exactly right. But right now we have no, um, it seems to me we have very little discernment in who we take in. For example, there's probably no group that deserves a- a- access to our country more at the moment than the white South Africans who are being murdered by Mandela's uh, inheritors uh, because they're good farmers, because they own land. And yet, if we were to say uh, we're going to have a special program to help uh, these white Protestant uh, South African farmers to come in, you'd have race riots in this country. Instead, we'll bring in, what, uh, you know, endless numbers of peasants from Southeast Asia or, or Latin America or, or, or Africa. And Dr. Schuer, it's, I think it's madness. I think, Dr. Schuer, John can answer that. We bring it in because what is that, the American Chamber of Commerce, John? Well, I mean, our labor, our immigration system is um, basically a, a mess. It has no, we can't, there are no priorities in the immigration system. Um, it's whoever can carve out a little bit. I mean, I mean for example, um, just the past year, there was a, a bill snuck into an appropriations bill to give an amnesty to illegal aliens from um, uh, Liberia. Now, you know, it's, it's some, you know, so some, some, I guess, group of Liberians hired a, hired a lot. Sorry about that. Um, a group of Liberians hired a um, uh, hired a lobbyist and then got it got in, um, got it in the bill. And so our immigration system is made up of a patchwork of things like that, where we just um, where we uh, whoever gets in gets the uh, gets the provision. It's not done from some you know overall scheme um, like was done in 1952 when when they went. Through the whole immigration system, um, like that went there. So, um, you know, that's the major problem. And I'm sorry about the phone, but when I cut the phone off, the uh, uh, my internet goes down for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> the wonders of science, sir. Yeah. <laughs> Did you get it hooked up? I'm I'm here. Yeah, I hung up on them. Okay. <laughs> So, so we have okay. Let me ask you: Do you think this has to do with his daughter and his son-in-law, J- uh, Jared Kushner and Ivanka? Do you think this is what he's playing with DACA? Um, I think that for everything I hear, that the big yeah, that that um, primarily the son-in-law is controlling immigration policy in the White House. That's mm-hmm. that's for sure. Um, if you ask. Um, like there are a lot of things that we expected President Trump would do on immigration, at least in the guest worker area. And if, if, if I go to someone in any government department, 
and say, you guys should have been doing this. Why aren't you doing it? The answer is always Jared. Ah, okay. Gotcha. Always Jared. Jared is the guy. Jared is the man of the Chamber of Commerce in, in the White House. And, um, and you know, I think it's the person probably most un, who's most undermining Trump's reelection prospects. I agree with you. I agree with you. And, 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 you know, it's like you're a real estate guy. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're in charge of uh, making rockets for space. You know, uh, this is what they call nepotism on steroids. This should have never happened, but it happened. OK, yeah. Um, let's go. Let's go now to immigration with regards to celebrities and schools. Yeah, that should be fun. <laughs> <laughs> Why did celebrities get in trouble for bribing uh, admissions officers to get their kids in school? And by the way, it's going to be a crime and it's a high fine and you could do jail time. But, you know, Black Lives Matter can wreck anywhere they want. No problems. You know, it's protesting. But I'm just curious what your take is on that with regards to celebrities. Well, I think the problem is that the celebrities who are going to jail bribe the wrong people. <laughs> okay, I have an idea, but go ahead. For example, you know, you read about the like um, bribing the fencing coach or whatever. Mm-hmm. If they had given the if they had given the donation directly to the university's fund, then they could have got gotten their kids in and um, and not had this problem. So you're so basically they could have yeah did that, or they could have contacted the Chinese. And said, how do you guys do it, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's all about the money here. And um, it, 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 everyone know, knows that if you give a big donation, you can get into Harvard, Yale, any, any, any school. Uh, in fact, there was a study published, it was last year, um, by Georgetown University that looked at uh, affirmative action. It was, and it was funded by Bill Gates, funny. And what the objective of the study was to find out um, if they got rid of all affirmative action, okay, who would be harmed the most and who would be hurt the most, right? It turns out the group that would be hurt the most was rich white people. <laughs> yeah. And the people who would be, be benefit the most from eliminating affirmative action were poor white people, not the rich white people. So, you know, like, so we talk about, you know, the white privilege. Well, it's there is a privilege in this country. Clear, clearly, is there is a, a privilege, and it's primar- primarily white. But if you're the coal miner's son in um, West West Virginia, you aren't seeing any of that privilege, you know. Right. And unfortunately, the uh, tax on privilege are being are misdirected. I mean, you don't right now. Um, you know, I'm sh- I'm shocked that people haven't been upright. You know, been um, going up and revolting for a long time. But right now, we look at this revolt. What are they doing? They're pulling down statues of um, Frederick Douglass and um, Christopher Columbus. You know, if you really want to do something, you should be down burning down the house of Jeff Bezos or uh, Mark Zuckerberg. Um, do you, or or uh, torch the U.S. Chamber of Commerce office. You know, that was, that's what a real revolution would look like. Or um, give some, some of his own vaccines to uh, a gate. <laughs> Inoculated him about forty times. So, so you're 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 not seeing the. You see, we have this misdirected mis, misdirected 
revolution. And I think more people should be upset and should be post protesting, but they should be after the after the right things. You know, <laughs> I, I call them, John, I call them poison ivy league schools. That's what they are. They're poison ivy. They just teach poison. It's a it's a joke what goes on in the um, in the schools these days. You know, I even look at my own school, um, how the curriculum has been dumbed down over the decades. It's um, you know the academic standards are not. I mean, the only way you can learn anything in most um, major universities now is to study in the sciences, where you're somewhat well <laughs> more isolated from the lunacy than you would be uh, studying um, history or literature. Uh, and of course, there are a few schools around the country that still uh, teach, but um, most of them have no value, which which is why they're going to all these foreign students. You know, well, that's the other thing. Uh, foreign students bring in money, right? right. Uh, they pay a higher price, unless again, and it's who you know and where you are. If let's say you're coming from India and you have the right contacts on that side, um, they can doctor all your docu- all your documents. Um, they can Photoshop great bank statements. Um, they can bring in basically all the labor 7-Eleven, Dunkin' Donuts, and everybody else needs, right? Um, and then when they get to the schools here, <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. They're supposed to have all the funds as an F1 student to pay for the school. But within the first week, they're looking for some kind of payment plan. <laughs> well, what's happening, the way the math works, I, I was reading a, um, an editorial um, in, the, in the San Diego Union Tribune um, that, that said that the at the University of California, San Diego, 12% of the students are from China alone. Right? Mm-hmm. That isn't, that isn't, you know, a spattering of, diver, you know, diversity. You know, that's basically a, um, a takeover. Takeover. That's a good, good word. It's take- now, now, gentlemen, you know, that's white privilege. Our, our, it's our privilege to give away the seats that should be going to our children to foreigners. Right. Well, it's also it's also the uh, Mexicans and the blacks uh, in there. They're not get they're not getting any school. And the math here, you know, they'll, they'll sit there and say all this, um, you know, how all the foreign students. Yes, they pay more. Okay, more money goes comes in from the um, these Chinese students than um, a California resident, of, co- of course. But the university, but the state of California is still subsidizing its university system. So you're a so if you're um, a black Mexican or poor white um, resident of California, you're paying taxes to subsidize these Chinese um, students to come in so that your kids can't get into the school. Yeah. It's a madness, isn't it? Yeah. And you see, it affects everyone in America. America. We're all, the thing we seem to forget is we're all in the same, we're all in the same boat in Mm -hmm. many ways. um, Most white America is in much the same position as, um, is Mexican, Chinese, um, you know, Black America? Some, you know, I'm, some people might be offended by my saying that, but, but in many ways, we are in the same same boat. Yeah. As I, as I, uh, I remember having a activist, an African American activist, telling me, you know, the thing about H one B discrimination is, is it puts older older white Americans in the same blo- same boat as Black Americans. Okay. <laughs> and, and, so, you, so you get to so you get to get to feel what we've been going what we've been going through, and, and which is which is true. I mean, in a certain sense, and if you just look at discrimination in Silicon Valley, um, you know, you get white Americans can, as they're young can get in, um, while the while the black Americans are discriminated. But then as they move as they move up, 
um, the, the white Americans didn't start getting the same type of dis- discrimination the black Americans have been getting all along, you know, right. with immigration policy. You know, here in Virginia, it, it really doesn't have a lot to do with immigration, but here in Virginia, they discriminate against different sections of the state in letting people into the state university system. We don't want to have so many from southwestern Virginia so we because we need to give more to northeastern Virginia. It's just it's a, it's a trickle down madness that eventually eventually will ruin all of us. It doesn't have anything to do with merit or potential. It's all um as you said earlier, you know, sympathy for people who merit no sympathy from a government. There's no well, again, talk about merit here. Um, there was a study, again, from the National Science Foundation that came, came out last year that found that American computer science students do much better than f- their foreign competitors who are coming from the countries that come here on H-1B visas, you know, the ones that we're told are the highly skilled workers. Yes. It, turned out, it turned out that even average students, the average American computer science student, was better than the ones from elite schools in India and China. Okay. Amazing, John. I never knew that. Better than least. So you would be better. So a company could get better skills going to an all-black school like Howard University and hiring computer science students there. Then they would, but they want to go over to India and get you know even get go from the third-tier schools over there. They don't want to hire. You know, I said they they don't want to hire black American Americans um, because they can't control because they can control these foreign students easier, but. Yeah. They have a better resource pool in in everywhere in the United States for talent, yet they ignore them. John, I, I just let me ask you real quickly. I've always uh, boiled kind of at the idea that we're getting uh, computer experts from India or other places because Americans won't take those jobs or where there's not enough trained Americans. And from what you just said, that sounds like a little bit like what, what people say is horse hockey. That, that there are plenty of Americans who will take those jobs. Yeah, um, according to industry, the only thing Americans will do is sit on the couch, um, eat Doritos, and watch um, yeah. Real Housewives of um, Beverly Hills or whatever, whatever it is. It you know, America, we, we put men on the moon, but we're uh, but we're totally lazy. In fact, we put men on the moon before the H one B program e- even existed, and we're now told that these are essential. So. It's it's somewhat insulting, and, and remember the new economy in the '90s. We were told, you know, we're going to export all these low-level manufacturing jobs to China. It's not going to help, not going to hurt us because we're going to everyone's going to move into the technology jobs, and there'll be de- and there'll be a democratic nation. It'll become democracy and communist nation. I remember. Folks, listen up. I've got something crucial to share with you today. In this uncertain world, you need to be prepared for anything, especially when it comes to your health. That's where The Wellness Company comes in, offering you peace of mind in a box with their medical emergency kit. Picture this. You're faced with a medical emergency and you need quick, effective treatment. The Wellness Company's medical emergency kit is like having a strategic arsenal of life-saving medications right at your fingertips. From proven treatments like ivermectin to generic Z-Packs and amoxicillin, this kit has got you covered. But that's not all. Every kit comes with a medical emergency guidebook, ensuring you have the knowledge to use these medications safely and effectively. It's like having a medical professional right there with you when you need it most. And here's the kicker. Use code FFN to get 10% off your medical emergency kit at twc.health FFN. That's right, folks. 10% off, peace of mind in a box. Don't wait until it's too late. 
Get your medical emergency kit today and be ready for whatever comes your way. Stay safe, stay prepared with The Wellness Company. Again, use code FFN to get 10% off your medical emergency kit at twc.health/ffn. Okay, round 2. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Remember that one. Yeah. <laughs> and now look what's happened. We now, we, 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 now that we've gotten rid of the um, manufacturing jobs, we're to the point where we can't even make an antibiotic in this country. Um if some other disaster occurred. Um, now we want to send the tech jobs overseas too. Yeah. I mean, there or bring overseas, over, bring overseas here. Yeah. To take them. It's, it's, it's so hard. You can't have a discussion about it because it immediately degenerates into name calling about your, if you have a, a position where you think merit matters, you become a racist. Yeah. Well, if, if it means that, I don't want to in, uh, in, have immigrants who are violent, diseased, or otherwise going to be a detriment to our society. Well, I guess I am a racist then. But as on so many issues, this immigration issue can't be discussed or debated with any kind of um, um, coherence because it, it, it just it, it, it's been identified as racism. And I, I think that's another product of the uselessness of our education system. Well, so what I, tell the listeners a little bit about the protective status, such as uh, I think there was an earthquake, what, 15 years ago in Nepal, and we let these people come in and you know make a living, and they're still here, and they don't want to go home. Or give us give us an update on on a protective status, TP well, something. Well, sorts of, there's something called temporary protective status, right? That um, that was created in the Immigration Act of 1990 that totally screwed up the American immigration system. <laughs> <laughs> Unless, of course, you're an immigration lawyer, in which case it created all kinds of business for it, for you. But uh, one of the things it created is something called temporary protective status, where the attorney general could, um, could declare a country was in such bad shape that they, we can't send people back to it and would allow people to stay. So, so if you came here on a visa or if you came here illegally, they could, ex- could extend this temporary status so you didn't go back back home. Um, but what has happened <coughs> is that um, temporary protective status becomes permanent protective status. So, for example, um, we get, gave you know, Hurricane Mitch was in um, 1999. Bill Clinton mm-hmm. gave temporary protective status to it uh, to Nicaragua and Honduras. Okay. And it's still... And they keep on renewing it every year and every year. <laughs> it's <laughs> a long hurricane. <laughs> years later, and, and we still have this in temporary uh, protective, protective status. And again, this is, I think, a bit of represents lobbying. But you know, who does who does the lobbying of whether whether it goes forward? It's not not determined by um, what the actual state of the country. It's just determined by who you can 
who you can influence, because there have been some countries where there have been short um, temporary protected status. For example, Kuwait was in temporary protected status for a, for a year um, during the Gulf War. War, yes, yes. Yeah. So, so in some cases, it, it, um, it goes away. And, but in other cases, it's gone on for decades. But so Trump has now tried to end some of these temporary protected statuses. Um, and what happens? They go and sue and the judge and the courts block them. And, you know, if we're going to have this system where the courts go out and decide, why don't we just let the courts set up temporary protected status? You know, I'm in a country. I'm in a country in a hurricane. Why can't I go and sue, sue in the federal courts that I have to be able to stay and then um, and just let the courts decide how long temporary protected status because they're not going to let the president do it. Uh, why don't they take o- take over the job themselves? Maybe an idea. Maybe an idea, John. Doctor Mike. Yeah, it's it's. I I, I don't know. I, I don't think we're going to have any sense come about any of this. It's a, it's a, it's a road to disaster, and it really takes. I really think it takes a second term from Trump. I think so many of these problems can be addressed more forthrightly at a second term. And, without, the, without the nepotism. Without the nepotism. Yeah, clearly. Uh, those two uh, kids of his are probably nice people, and they're pretty, and they look good in their suits and ties and dresses. <laughs> but they're certainly a detriment to have in this government at this time, given the opposition we're facing, and that they're part of that opposition. Yeah, you know, I I wrote something yesterday for the Center for Immigration Studies blog, you know, talking about how Trump has kind of isolated himself, um, you know, from the bad bad staffing point of view. But, but I will add that I think one of the reasons that Jared has so, so much power is that, you know, Trump has, has done has has appointed a lot of bad people. You know, I mean, that's his his biggest problem. The Trump administration has been putting the wrong people. And like he's put in people like Bolton, you know, who then go and stab him in the back. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and someone like Bolton, you know, I, you know kind of, of the, you know, this uh, the infinite war party um, aspect is completely contrary to what Trump was elected to, yet he's in the White House, and then when Trump does get rid of him, he writes this horrible, horrible book, And but at least Trump, you know, Jared knows he, Jared isn't going to go and write a nasty book about how bad Trump is. He's not going to stab him in the back. So what Trump really needs is loyal people who are supporting, will support his agenda, and he hasn't hasn't done that for some John, reason. John, I've had this discussion with Dr. Shure a couple of times. You know, uh, I, you're from New York, and he was a very successful businessman in, in doing what he did, and he left that to become the president and help this country. Uh, I think Trump would have a much better chance in going collecting carpenters, plumbers, uh, you name it, electricians, blue-collar people, postal workers, and saying, hey, would you like to come down here and work at my administration in any capacity, which would be much better than these political stooges that they got running around the beltway, you know, for 20, 30, 40 years, you know, and give terrible advice. Like, for instance, he brought in that guy Scaramucci, who was a real, I mean, forget it. The guy was, he was a clown car show, right? He brings him in, two days later, he's out. He's got this guy over here, and he's out. And that one's in, and that's out. I don't understand that he was so good in business and I understand he didn't, he wasn't a political guy, political junkie. And he, you know, he networked with these guys. He, he gave them checks for their campaigns, 
But somebody had to say, hey, listen, Mr. Trump, it doesn't work like this. This is Washington. This is the real, real swamp. This is Alligator Alley, you know. You got to put and he he would have been better off putting carpenters around him and saying, hey, Mr. Trump, we got to get rid of this guy. We, we got to get rid of this thing. And uh, by the way, you got to get rid of your son-in-law, too. You know what I mean? Well, one of the problems of the administration at the very beginning, uh, you know, you brought in Ryan's previous is the. Uh, oh, my gosh. You yeah. know, what, you know, that was that was his first first serious blunder. And one of the things previous did is he he then took control of the White House personnel office. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it was only recently that that's been that that's been recovered yeah. to some degree. I understand there's there's some. You know, thing, I think because Trump was a was a businessman and was uh, not involved in Washington, he didn't understand when he came here that three quarters of the bureaucracy wants nothing to change. No. And and um, they don't care that we've had a terrifically disastrous foreign policy for 35 years. They've enriched themselves on the basis of that. And I know Colonel Mike and I and I wrote some stuff, uh, you know, before the election that one of the first things he needed to do was to destroy the the, the embedded bureaucracy. I remember and I and I. Uh, 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 Newt Gingrich wrote in the middle 90s of the disaster that's the State Department and how how it would really it really is just an agent for foreigners who um, that does the foreigners bidding in return for bribes. And that's exactly what the whole government is about. And to expect to hire people from that morass and expect change and loyalty was a madness, but he didn't apparently have one person around him, except maybe for Flynn, and they they this they they got rid of him pretty early in the game. That would say to him, Mr. President, these people don't have your interests. Bring somebody in from your organization. Bring somebody in that you know and you trust, but don't trust these bastards who've been here for so long. John, tell us a little bit about the Center for Immigration Studies. Well, the Center for Immigration Studies is a. They say a, a think tank is the Washington term uh, that addresses immigration issues, um, and so we have a lot of people, um, of, of a lot of, of a lot of different political backgrounds. Um, it's kind of funny; it's described as a conservative think tank, but there are a lot of liberal, there are a number of liberals liberals there as well. Who we do, and we we do is write and research on immigration issues, and you know put. Uh, and um, you know, to try to inform the public about what's what's going on, um, because you know, most there's a lot of good immigration data out there, mm-hmm. yeah. and so I, I think we put do a lot of good work, um, you know, putting out information. Of course, a lot of people don't like the information that we put out, <laughs> so we get um, so you know, like when we like when you attack. The tech industry, the tech industry then funds both civil right groups, and then some, and then everybody who goes up against the tech industry finds themselves on these hate groups yeah. list. Yeah. It's kind of funny how that works. You know? What a coincidence, huh? Yeah, 
You got they get millions for the tech industry, and then all the tech industry's enemies end up on hate groups. <laughs> <laughs> so what what is that site? That's cis.org, right? Cis.org, and you just stuff up there every day of new things and different and, and different issues. You guys um, did some good work a few years back in, in helping close down a few schools that were really fraudulent. <laughs> oh yeah, that's <laughs> yes. I mean, there's I mean, there's just so much junk that goes on the immigration, and it doesn't get any coverage. I mean, I mean, even basic things like Americans being replaced by foreign workers gets no coverage. Right. So, so like people out there right now, and and look at all the coverage on H-1B visas currently in the news, right? Because President Trump, to his credit, you know, one of these is he has blocked um, the admission of H-1B workers during the in the middle of this crisis. That's great. Okay. And so Trump, thank you. You've done a good thing. You know, we're we're uh, we should Trump should realize that we are criticizing him. We are not bashing him. Okay, okay. There's right, right. okay? a, a big difference. But Trump, you did a good thing, and we'll do more of that. We're gonna we're gonna love you. But what's the reaction in the media is absolutely predictable. Oh yeah, Trump's gonna destroy the economy by keeping out the world's <laughs> best. It's universal. Now, meanwhile, okay. The Tennessee Valley Authority is replacing, in the midst of this pandemic, is replacing Americans with foreign workers. Okay, so Trump has stepped in to in the pandemic to stop that kind of thing. Okay, replacing Americans with foreign workers, not a mention of it in the press. You can yeah. you can find the TVA in the local press, of course, where it's big news, where it's happening. Mm-hmm. Not, all these newspapers are writing about all these articles of how Trump's um, blocking the world's best and brightest. They refuse to mention any of any of the, the the facts of the matter of Americans losing their jobs because it disrupts their false uh, narrative. Right, right. Never let you know the American media never lets the facts get away of its get in the way of its arguments. By the way, the TVA was started, I think, back with Franklin Roosevelt, right? FDR, right. and. Uh, if you were lucky enough to get a position there, Dr. Shuey, you're going to love this one. It was like a lifetime 195000 a year job. And you showed up in Washington every three months and you said, hey, the water's running good. All right. See you later. <laughs> well, apparently the head of the TVA is the highest paid government employee. Apparently. Yeah. I just heard that over eight million a year. Yeah. And you had to have a connection, John, to a uh, strong senator in Tennessee to get appointed. Uh, I don't remember that guy's name off the top of my head. Jim something or other. He was the senator in Tennessee who became an ambassador to China. I want to say Jim with the nest, but I remember, you know, he was like the Don, you know what I mean? He, Hey, Johnny, you got that spot. And that, as long as you need it, that's 25 years plus the Bennies, you know? Yeah. It's but well, this, Washington's all about mo- all about money, and you, what we're seeing in both sides of the aisle is kind of a revolt because the public knows something is wrong. You know that Trump was a revolt against the Bush the Bushes essentially mm-hmm. the Republican side, and Sanders we see was, was kind of a revolt against the Clinton um, Bidens, but the Democrats apparently have um, the, their forces of darkness have managed to prevail, and so I mean we got you know Joe Biden. Is a total crook, and, mm-hmm. and the funny thing was, we would never know. The press would never even cover something like that if um, Donald Trump, if, if it didn't hurt Donald Trump. You know, Correct. I mean, there was, there was virtually no coverage of how the Biden family was just lining its pockets with these corrupt deals, and 
but the thing is, it's not just Biden. It's everyone doing it. Every, John, yeah, that's exactly John, right. Yeah. Mike, Mike knows, John, this is a place that produces nothing. And it's the richest, richest six, six richest yeah. counties in the country, the Beltway. It's so rich. Washington Metro is so rich. Everybody is doing very well. The prices of homes are so high. They produce nothing. The only thing they can do here, and they do it, they don't, they do it half-assed. Let's be honest. They they create wars. They love wars because you have all the Beltway bandits, and then you have all the the contractors and the subcontractors. You know. And that's it's all about defense contracting. It's all about wars. We we have a seven hundred and eighty billion dollar budget for the Pentagon and we can't protect the border. Right. <laughs> and now you have Homeland Security. Remember, DHS, Department of Homeland Security, going out and doing their job in these shithole cities. And they're saying, hey, man, this is like uh, Nazi Germany in the beginning. <laughs> no, that's their damn job. They, they got a what? How many how many billion budget, Mike? What do they got about a $10 billion budget? Oh, I bet it's much more than that these days. Okay. Much well, more than that. If the cops can't no. do their job, you know, let DHS go get paid for what they do. Yeah. You know? John, it's great yeah. to talk to you again. Uh, any new books coming out? Um, actually, I got one in the works, but it has absolutely nothing to do with politics. <laughs> wow. How's that happening? What are, you, what are you writing about? Birds in Ghana? I'm actually working writing a book on the battleship New Jersey. Well, that's okay. That's nice. Hmm. Um, but it's 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 been going on for several years now. I'm just so so sick of writing about politics and you know, mm-hmm. so um, corrupt. I thought I would do, do something entirely entirely different. Um, it's been kind of um, interesting. Um, I've been able to explore the battleship quite a bit. Uh, I've been allowed to climb down into the bowels of the ship to explore and um it's so it's been fair, fairly interesting and well, how's your friend fun, come back and talk to us about it yes yeah. yes how's your friend michelle malkin doing after the fallout uh with this police uh rally well she, you know she's always very upbeat michelle malkin's you know one of the nicest people you ever meet i know yeah i can't you know you can't, can't say enough um good things about about Michelle Malkin, but you know, um, um, the establishment has treated her like um, like airline passengers treat a treat, treat a urinal after a transatlantic flight. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's amazing that uh, at least, you know in the in the conservative side um, how they eat their own. You know, the, the Democrats <laughs> will sell their soul to protect, oh, absolutely. To protect a rapist like Bill Clinton. But, you know, uh, Michelle Malkin stands up for the free speech of someone. Um, and, you know, even, you know, I certainly have, have heard some of his statements that have kind of made me, that have made me cringe. But, you know, I certainly support that he has the right to say them. And Michelle Malkin has said that he's got the right to say them. And everyone Jumps all over on Michelle Malkin. I, it's it, it's amazing here. And she checks two boxes, John. She's a female and she's an Asian, and they don't get it. I mean, they always want that multicultural diversity, right? And she, she's just on the wrong side of the aisle. That's all. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's just it's kind of sick. Said how the Republicans um, will turn. I mean, you can even see this. Uh, I saw some Republican senator even said we should get rid of Christopher Columbus statues. I you know. Um, you know, oh, that's uh, yeah. Th- I forgot who it was, but today I read. Believe it or not, I mean it's not as 
it's not a surprise, but uh, Kuchinik, what's his name? Kuchinik. No, not Kuchinelli. Oh. Uh, Kuchinik. He was one of the one of the guys in Republic. Okay. I'm sorry, Kasich. Kasich, you're talking. Kasich, I'm sorry. Yes, Kasich. John Kasich is going to be the uh, spokesman at the Democratic National <laughs> Committee. <laughs> well, his capabilities at speaking will put them all to head, have a nice nap while he talks. But, you know, that should basically show, you know, Republican voters, you know, what's going on. You know, as I was growing up, I was told, you know, when things were heading in the anti-conservative direction, I was told that, you know, what we needed to do was work to get a Republican Congress and a Republican president. Right. Okay. And we get a Republican Congress and a Republican president. And what happens? Everybody you know, jumps ship. It's a, you know, it's, it turns out, you know, disaster. We got the war, disaster. We, we get nothing. We get nothing in conservative. Me, me, look at the Bush era, uh, Bush two era. What, what happened to conservative? You know, absolutely nothing. And then we have... Um, and then I thought it was funny during the 2016 um, presidential elections, you know, when, when the Republicans had Congress, mm-hmm. and Lindsey Graham was saying, we don't have the presidency, we don't have Congress, we can't do anything. Well, when you had the presidency, when you had the Congress, you still... You did, you did nothing anyway. And then you look at the first two years of the Trump administration, you know, what did Paul Ryan do? <laughs> Oh, he sabotaged the president is what he did. By the way, he, hey, guys, he's in the news today now, oh. and he's giving the president, not that the president wanted it or needs it, he's giving new advice. So apparently Goldman Sachs let him out for the weekend. <laughs> you it's know, amazing. John Miano, thank you so much for coming on two mics. We hope to have you on again. Keep in touch with us. And the, the website is cis.org. Lots of good stuff up there. And... Uh, John, have a great week. Thank you, sir. Bye. Thanks for having me. All righty. See you again. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.